Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Jesus, we love you today. We praise you, God. Lord, we ask that you pour your spirit out right now, Father. Pour your spirit out upon us. Touch us and minister to us today. God, that you would minister in our lives where we cannot, God. Father, that you would change us and move us and help us, God. We pray your strength would rise up today. Father, our every need, God, that you would make a way for our every need. God, that you would move in us today, God, and we give you glory and we give you honor in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. You could be seated this this morning. Um, Before we uh, get into our message, uh, a couple things I want to do is I would like for you to join with me in prayer. I want to lift up a couple families. First of all, um, many of you know uh, the young man that comes to our church. He's on our worship team, and he's been uh, in our youth group, and and a tremendous young man, uh, Luke Schneider. His fiancée, Megan, his, her mother, uh, passed away. Um, I believe it was Thursday night. And so we want to believe God uh, for her. I believe she's in heaven. Amen. She graduated. But you know what? Somewhere along the line, we just want to believe God for that family. And then also, um, yesterday got word, uh, many of you may know already, uh, Pastor Al Pashano, associate pastor over at Family Worship, uh, passed away. And I've known uh, Pastor Al for years, um, going back, I think, into the 80s, when 80s and 90s, when he was a police officer here in town. And and uh, uh, just want to believe God to touch and minister in those families. So would you join with me? And let's just pray for uh, their families. Father, right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray for Luke and Megan. We pray, God, for Megan's family right now. Father, we pray your comfort and your grace upon them. Lord, as they're dealing with this uh, uh, hour of grief and loss and tragedy, Father, that you would move upon them. God, touch them and help them. God, your Holy Spirit to comfort them, Father, we pray. And Lord, we lift up uh, Al Pashano's uh, family. We lift up uh, family worship. God, we pray for that church and, and his family. God, we pray that your grace would be upon them. Minister to them right now. Lord, give them uh, grace. God, give them strength and give them comfort, Father. And Lord, we are so thankful of the knowledge, knowing that these two, God, are with you in heaven, and Father, that they are now receiving their eternal reward, and Father, we give you glory and give you honor in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Also, this morning, before we get started, I wanted to make a quick announcement. First of all, I want to just say uh, thank you to everyone that helped us on uh, Saturday with the packing party. We had a great turnout, had about 30 people come out. Uh, the packing party for the uh, shoeboxes for Operation Christmas Child for Samaritan Purse. And we were able to put together uh, 251 boxes in that packing party. Amen. We still have enough uh, uh, stuff that goes in boxes. I believe Children's Church will probably pull off another 150 boxes. And so this year, uh, it's been a great success. And so we just once again want to say thank you to the people that donate. Uh, thank you to the people that help pack. Uh, thank you to the people that help pray. Amen. And that we're all involved in this. This is such a powerful outreach and ministry into the world. We will never know until eternity uh, exactly what impact we've had in the world. But I can tell you and guarantee you it's having, having impact and lives are being changed. Amen. 
Well, today's an exciting day. Amen. And if you look on the board you'll, or on the screen, you'll see that I'm going to preach a message entitled The Supernatural Power of Communion. And so what that means is we're going to take communion today. And, uh, but you know what? I was thinking about it. You know, communion has been so important to me and my wife. And I'll tell you more about that here in a little bit. But I just really felt like what I needed to do in this moment was to actually preach a message and show you biblically what communion is really all about. It's, it's not a complicated message, but it is profound spiritual truth that will change your life. Communion is not just a thing that we do to appease some sort of religious uh, expectation. Can you say amen? So I want to encourage you uh, this morning with the depth of benefit that is available uh, in the communion experience. And let me say this, if somehow the practice of communion has in fact become routine to you or religious or run-of-the-mill, then know this, this sermon's for you because it's going to help you to see why this is so powerful. Communion is so much more than religious activity or routine ritual. It is the very basis of all that we believe and hold dear in our Christian values. Can you say amen to that? Communion is the representation of the very essence of all that Jesus has done for us. Listen to what I'm saying. Communion is the deepest expression of God's unconditional love for us. And when practiced with full assurance and understanding in faith, it will change everything. Not because of the bread or the juice, but because of what it represents and what we are remembering. Can you say amen? So this morning, I want to preach on this, and I want to encourage you this morning that as we take communion here in just a few minutes, that you expect God's power to show up in your life where you need it most. And as we come into this deeper understanding of what is represented in this practice, it's going to give you the faith and the confidence to believe for all that God has provided for you. And we're going to walk through this. It's, it's really wonderful. This, as I've begun to study this in the last couple of years of my life, I've really begun to see how this is something very precious to us. And many of you know, and I've shared many times, that Kathy and I have made the practice of taking uh, communion every day in our lives. And I could say that now that we have, now that we have some significant time invested in that habit, that we have seen some powerful answers to prayers. We have seen things, um, supernatural provision, tangible moving of God's uh, presence. We've seen healings got, that, that were like things that should have been a lot worse that just weren't, that they just kind of fizzled out. How many, you know, it's kind of like uh, you're, you're, you're watching the news and the weather comes on and the weatherman says, you guys better, you know, get ready. You better batten down the hatches. You better, you know, brace for it's a strong storm. And you know what? You're, you go outside and you think, dear God, you see the clouds on the horizon. And this happens a lot in Kingman. And you see it and it's like bubbling and churning. But then all of a sudden it just goes around you or it fizzles out. And nothing. It's like, man, I was braced for a storm. I, I wanted thunder and lightning and hail and all, you know, and it nothing. 
You get a little, few little sprinkles and it goes away. And we've had those kinds of things where, we, you know, the, a doctor has said something um, or, or, or something happened financially or a thing here or a thing there, and it's like we're bracing for this, oh, here we go, we're, we're really going to go through it. And then all of a sudden it just fizzles out. It just becomes nothing. And I just want you to understand that I believe that that is because that Kathy and I have made the habit, not a religion, not a ritual, but we have made a habit of remembering what Jesus did for us every day. We set some time aside every day and we say, God, we want to remember what you actually did for us. Because Jesus said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Are you hearing that? He says as often. He didn't, put a, he didn't say do it once a year or four times a year or do it you know, 52 times a week or whatever. He said as often as you do it. In other words, when you decide to do this, the key is that you do this in remembrance of me. So let's look at our text. 1 Corinthians, Paul's writing in chapter 11, God has given him a revelation of what took place in, in that last supper with Jesus and the disciples. And he says this in verse 23, he says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and, uh, broke it and said, Take ye, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. When Jesus first instituted communion on the night before his crucifixion, he was literally offering his life for ours spiritually. He is talking about a great exchange. And on the next day, he would do it physically. What he was doing spiritually in that last supper, he actually did physically the next day on the cross. Listen to our text again. The Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Now that right there, all of that, those statements are very important. And here's the revelation. When we take communion, we are receiving his life and all that goes with it. His life that is love, filled with love. We are partaking of his love. We are partaking of healing. We are partaking of the health and the life that Jesus has. We are partaking of mercy and grace. We are partaking of, of the blessing that flows from being in a relationship with him. When taking communion, we are activating the life and the power of Jesus in our lives. This is not simply a, a ritual that just appeases some sort of religious uh, mindset, but this is literally by faith saying that all that you provided for me, Jesus, on that cross is in fact mine and it is moving in me now. Now, I know that there's a lot of people that will say that this is just a symbol and that there's nothing really special 
in it because it's just a wafer and some grape juice and how can that be so powerful to change our lives? It's because of the last verse. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, listen, here is the key. You proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. In other words, you are saying, not just to the people around you, but you are saying to all of creation, you are making a declaration that Jesus Christ is Lord of all, that he died and rose again, and you are proclaiming it literally to the universe and saying, that one lives inside of me. Can you say amen? Taking communion is an act of faith that declares everything that came from the death and resurrection is ours. Communion is not only a declaration of what he done, it is also a prophetic act of what he will do on those who believe on him. Can you say amen? Now here's the thing that we must understand. Just as with anything, we can lose the meaning. We can lose its value. We can lose its significance by simply trivializing it. And many have... Um, set aside the communion, they have marginalized its power because they've allowed it to just simply become routine. And you say, how is it that I do that? It's when we fail to realize what Jesus has done, when we fail to realize that his broken body represents the payment for my healing, that every stripe, every blow upon his body, every moment of crushing, as the uh, King James says in, in the Old Testament, Isaiah 53, every moment that his body was abused and, and he was beaten, he was paying a price for my healing and your healing. Can you say amen? And then he says this, when my blood was spilled, he says, I spilled my blood and then I took that blood in Hebrews, he says, I took that blood once and for all into the holy of holies and I presented it before my Father as an eternal sacrifice for your sins, your deliverance, uh, your freedom. I became a ransom for many. I came and paid the price and I bought you back. I bought you back. You sold yourself. No one sold you. You sold yourself into slavery, and God says, I will buy you back. I will buy you back with my precious own blood. Can you say amen? amen. Communion is such an awesome thing. There's so much power in it, and I want you to experience the power that comes through the body and the blood of Jesus Christ today. Communion brings breakthrough. Listen to what I'm saying. Look back. I'm going to repeat this a lot, so just hang, hang on. Look back, verse 24 and 25, and he says, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take ye, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup, and after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this. This do as off. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And I want you to see something in this. Breakthrough power doesn't come by wallowing in the guilt and shame or the failure of our life. So many times we want to say, well, I'm, you know, I'm just a sinner and I'm broken and I'm no good. No, you're not. You are a saint of God. You are a child of God. You are blood-bought. You have been redeemed uh, by the blood of the Lamb. You are the one that Jesus went and found. You were lost. He left the 90 and 9, and he went and he found you. 
and he has broke through your circumstances. He has broke through the things that have come upon you. His grace and his mercy because of his sacrifice has made way for you and you now have newness of life in every way. Can you say amen? It's time that we plug into the power of God in our lives. It's time that we activate the power of God that's inside us. What did you do when you proclaimed the Lord as Jesus? You were plugging in to the power of salvation. When you confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believed in your heart that God had raised him from the dead, you activated the power of salvation the moment you declared Jesus as Lord. Too many Christians believe Not in their head, because they're too smart for that, but in their heart, they believe because they walk out a lifestyle that seems to be helpless, that I have got to do this on my own. You do not have to live this Christian life on your own. You do not have to face the the, the attack of the enemy on your own. You do not have to face uh, the onslaughts of this life, the things that come into this life on your own. You do not have to face the, 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 the old natural man wanting to rise up again and again on your own. You are equipped with the word his name and with the power of heaven and earth because of what Jesus did on the cross. Can you say amen? And every time you receive that, that, that bread and you take that cup, you do show his death the reason that we have all that we have. And you declare, this is mine. He is my Savior. I have salvation. I am not helpless. I am powerful. And I am who God declares that I am. But here's the most important part. And as I begin to wind this down, I want you to understand this, this, is the, this is the crux of it all. We know his body was broken for our healing. His blood was shed for the ratification of the new covenant. His blood seals and confirms all the rights and privileges and benefits of the new covenant. Now, when I said that, Kind of flat, wasn't it? Not you. It just kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, I get that. No, you, you need to understand this precious new covenant that we have is signed and sealed in the blood of Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This new covenant stands in contrast to the old covenant, which was a conditional agreement. The old covenant was a conditional agreement. It said, if you do this, I will do that. And God had made that with the children of Israel through Moses. In fact, unless you are Jewish by birth, you weren't even under that covenant. The old covenant established laws and ceremonies that separated Jews from the other nations. It defined sin and it showcased God's provision of forgiveness through sacrifice. We know the old covenant required a blood sacrifice, but it could never provide a final sacrifice for sin. In the, in the end, the old covenant, the Bible says, was inferior. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, or I'm sorry, Hebrews 8, 7, for if the first covenant had been fault, faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Now, that's that's 
that's a mouthful right there. You gotta understand. I'm gonna read it again. If the first covenant was faultless, let's read it a different way. If the first covenant didn't have some real problems, then we wouldn't need to seek for a second one. The first covenant had problems. So God came up with a plan to bring about a second covenant. Now look at, I'm not saying that the first covenant was, you know, God making mistakes. I'm not, please do not put me into that category. God knew what he was doing. He brought about the first covenant to show us how much we really needed him. That's what the Bible says. So I'm not sitting here saying, oh, God was doing a test run and a trial, and he had to figure it out, and he had to kind of fine-tune everything. And he was figuring out as if God had to learn something. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is what we have now is so much more superior to what they had then that we can see the flaws in it. That what we have now reveals how inferior that was, how inferior that old covenant was to humanity. It could never completely solve the problem of sin. It could never bring people completely into relationship with God. It could never restore and redeem and, 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 and build back all that was lost. The best it could do is for a season cover. That's the best it could do. But this new covenant in Jesus is better because it is in his blood. In this new covenant, we are guaranteed salvation for the whole man. We are not guaranteed just forgiveness of sin and an access into heaven upon the time we pass away, but we are guaranteed forgiveness now. We are delivered from the power of sin. We are delivered from the consequence of sin. In fact, we are given a brand new nature. Our names are changed. We are brand new creatures in Christ Jesus, and that's not just for the soul. That is the flesh. That is the spirit, and that is the soul for the whole man. We have a covenant with God that guarantees us salvation across the board. Can you say amen? We are guaranteed a covenant that we have intimate access to the throne of God. We can now, at our choice, at our choosing, walk into the very throne room of God and present to him all that we are, such as we are. We can lay at his feet our needs. Uh, we can talk to him. We can commune with him. We can fellowship with him. We can talk to him. And he says, I will show you great and wonderful things. He will talk back and respond because of this covenant. In this new covenant, we are by faith given a position of righteousness. We are no longer trying to achieve a place of righteousness. We are by faith given the position. You are now righteous regardless of what you do. Sink your teeth into that. I don't even know how that works. But when you come into faith, when you come into salvation by grace through faith, you come into a position of righteousness that is not based on anything you have done or haven't done. It is based on everything he did. Can you say amen? And you are given righteousness. He says, he who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And that is guaranteed by covenant. 
In this new covenant, we're given a new identity. No longer am I identified by what I do. I am identified by who he is. I am a child of God. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm an heir, a joint heir with Jesus. Uh, I am the body of Christ. I am the bride of Christ. I am a king and priest before him uh, in, in, in his kingdom. And I could go on and on and on of the identity that this new covenant guarantees me now. This all that I'm talking about is not in some sweet by and by. Everything I'm talking about is right now. I have a covenant. I have a covenant. This new covenant, we become heirs and join heirs with Jesus. That means everything that Jesus has, I have. That means not only do I have it, I have the right to use it. I have the right to walk in it. I have the right to spend it. When we think of somebody that's an heir, we usually think of somebody that gets an inheritance, a, a lot of money. And so if you had, in fact, a, a, a friend of mine uh, just recently had, uh, uh, it, this is Alex Wilson, Pastor Alex Wilson's dream, actually had a, a great uncle or a long lost uncle pass away and give them some money. And it was like, dude, how the, how's that happen? I, I didn't even know. You know, that actually happened. I have another friend that uh, her father passed away a while back. And unbeknownst, he, this, he was living in Las Vegas and he was living in a small little apartment. When he passed away, uh, he willed $2 million to her and $2 million to her brother. Nobody knew he had it. Those are the day. those are sweet days, man. It's like, yeah, holy cow. Man, you're awesome, Dad. I'm glad, I'm glad you're a good dad. I'm not glad you're gone, but kind of. <laughs> we didn't see each other much anyway, so. <laughs> I'm not going to say that in the next service because it'll be on, online. <laughs> they could be watching. <laughs> but the, the reality is, 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 you know, when they got that inheritance, you know what happened? They got ownership. They were able because of the law. It says, this is now yours. You can spend it any way you want. You can do anything you want with it. We have an inheritance in Christ. Can you say amen? amen. In this new covenant, we're given power and authority through his name and his word. We have the right to use his name. The right to use his name and his word. That means everything of heaven backs his play in my life. In this new covenant, we walk in a personal, intimate relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now, here's the amazing thing as I'm bringing this to a close. And Jason can, can come if he wants. Because the time prevents me from listing all that we have in the new covenant, the better covenant. But here's the thing. This is the thing that you need to understand about covenant. So many times when we think of covenant, we think of contract. But that's not what we have. We don't have a contract with God. A contract is this, is if I go hire a builder to build a house for me, there'll be a contract that's drawn up. I'll accept the terms of the contract, he'll accept the terms of the contract, and in the contract it'll specify timing. It'll say, this must be done, and when that's done, you must pay this much. And the contract will have different 
moments and uh, demarcations of timing when things should be done. And at any point in time in that contract, if I fail to live up to what I agreed to in that contract, then the other party of the contract is no longer obligated or bound to do what they agreed to do. Because it's contract, it's called breach of contract. So if you don't do what you say you do, I don't have to do what I say I'll do. Covenant works much different. Covenant says I will be everything I say I will be and you will have everything I say you will have regardless of what you do. That's hard to get our head around. We're in covenant with the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We are in covenant with the creator of the universe. You know, it's always funny. They, I always think about, there's a, there's a scripture, I, I think it's Psalms 34, I think. It talks about uh, how, how God created the, earth, uh, the universe that from the breath of his mouth, everything came into existence. There's a place, I, I, it might even be Psalm 19. I'm not sure, I, I could be wrong on the address. But it says, the heavens and the stars, the sky, it declares your glory. They just found recently, just found a brand new star that's the biggest known star in the universe or, or in the seeable universe that they can see at this point that they have found. This star will hold 10 billion of our suns. If you were to put if you were to put the center of that star at the center of where our sun is, the edge of the star would be at the orbit of Saturn. God said, light be, and light was. I don't know, you know, scientists talk about the Big Bang, and I don't know if the Big Bang occurred, except that in my version of the Big Bang, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created. And I imagine the power that it took to say those three words was kind of had a big bang to it. In the beginning, God created. He's a big God. He created everything we see and we know. Everything. And we are in covenant with him. So everything that he said, he will do whether you do everything you say you'll do. He said, I will always be a God to you. Always. But God goes a step further than just that. We're not, we are not just in a covenant with a lofty deity. We are in a relationship with a loving father. And let me tell you something. I am a father, and I could tell you this. I can enter into a covenant with a friend and it is powerful. But nothing can match the power of the relationship I have with my children. The very essence of my life would be sacrificed in a moment's notice without question for them. And it wouldn't matter what they did or didn't do. And I, being evil, the Bible says, can love at that level, how much more my Father in heaven? 
So I say these things that when we take communion today, that's what we're, that's what we're doing. That's what we're remembering. Do this in remembrance of me. Yes, we absolutely remember his sacrifice on the cross. We remember the torment of his and the brutality of his crucifixion. But more than that, we remember why and what it provided. So as you take this bread and you take this cup, and, and, and if the ushers that are going to pass out communion want to get ready to uh, get that uh, going, we'll, we'll have you do that. When, that. when that takes place, when we take that, we're not just simply taking a, a little wafer and a little bit of grape juice. We're taking, we're receiving. We're saying, God, when I take this bread, I'm receiving all that it purchased. The broken, the reason it's broken is because you, you allowed your body to be broken. Isaiah 53, 5 says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And by His stripes, we are healed. And ushers, you can go ahead and start passing that out, if you will. And so when we receive this bread, we, we receive, so at that moment, I don't believe, you know, in, I can't say the word, what is the trans, the changing of this. This is not becoming actual Jesus' blood and his body. I don't believe that happens. But I believe spiritually what I'm doing is I'm receiving what it provided. So today, if you're in this room and you're dealing with pain or sickness or disease or some sort of ailment that you have not been able to overcome, maybe doctors have said, well, um, about the best we can do is make you feel comfortable or, or try to manage the pain for you or whatever. That's wonderful, and we thank God for doctors that they can do that, but we could take it a step further and we could take this bread and say, you know what, Jesus, your body, you paid the price for my healing. You willfully allowed them to beat me. The, if, if you haven't seen the movie The Passion in a while, I suggest that you watch it again just to remind you. There's a scene in the movie where it's, it, it's a horrific scene because the, in this movie they, they didn't spare any uh, restraint on showing the brutality of what was happening to Jesus. But He's being beaten. He's being whipped. Piece of, pieces of flesh are being torn from him. And he ha they had him on a, a, like a log. And at one point he falls down, falls to the ground. And somehow you could tell that the soldiers, because it's in a foreign language, they, they said something like, you've had enough, are you done, or whatever. And they're mocking him. And Jesus just got back up. And he put himself back on the log. Now, I don't know if Jesus did that in reality, but I imagine he did. I imagine that when Jesus was being beaten, he submitted every part of his life to it. And for the joy that was set before him, he endured. For the joy of seeing you and me healed and walk in health and life, he submitted. He was willing to pay the price. So when we receive this bread, that's what he's doing. That's what, he's, that's what we're doing. We're receiving that. We're receiving this. And so the Bible says that Jesus took the bread, he broke it, and he says, this is broken for you. This is for you. 
And so today, I want you to, I want you to take this today, and we're going to pray over the bread, and we're going to believe God, but I want you to believe in your heart that right now, what I'm receiving, I, I'm not receiving this little tiny wafer, but what I'm receiving right now is I'm receiving healing for every part of my life, my healing in my mind, my soul, my spirit, my body. I'm receiving healing in all its facets in my life right now. So let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for all that you did. Jesus, we thank you that you paid the price, that you submitted yourself to this horrific, brutal beating for us so that we could be healed. You paid the price. The chastisement of our peace was upon you. You were wounded for our transgressions. You were bruised. You were crushed for our iniquity. And by your stripes, Jesus, we are healed. And we thank you. And so, Lord, this morning, we receive this bread. We receive this healing, this broken body. We receive it right now, knowing God in faith, God, that you have provided this for us and you paid the price. And so we speak life, health, and wholeness right now in every body in this room today. In Jesus' name, we took the bread. Then the Bible says, and this is, one, this is the place that, man, we need to meditate on this all the time. And I would suggest to you that you even do your own study on covenant. It is so powerful. I'm, I'm merely, in this sermon today, merely just gave you a little dusting of the truth that's involved in it. But Jesus said he took the cup and he says, you know what? This blood, this is my blood, which is the new covenant. This is it right here. And so what we're doing when we take this cup right now is we, we're acknowledging and we are remembering that through his death and his resurrection, the shedding of his blood, we have a covenant with the Father. That the reason that I can stand so confidently upon the word is because I have a covenant with God. I have a covenant that's not based in my performance, a covenant that's not based in what I can or can't do. It's a covenant that's based in his word and faithfulness. It's his word, his faithfulness. And so Jesus took the cup and he blessed it and he says, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And so today we remember this covenant and we remember what he's done for us. We remember all that salvation provided all that it gave us. So whatever need you have today, whatever situation in your life, realize that this blood covers that need. This covenant is all you need. And so he took it and he said, this is my blood and it's for you. And so he prayed, Father, right now in Jesus' name, we lift up this cup. We lift up this blood. We remember, we remember what you did for us, Jesus. We remember that you were beaten, you were broken, that your blood was shed for us. We remember your death. And we proclaim and declare right now that we are in covenant with you. That that covenant is upon us, not because of what we've done, but because of who you are, your faithfulness, your word. And so we receive this today in faith, knowing God, 
that you are true to your word. In Jesus' name, let's receive. Will you just take those and stack those cups together and I'm certain we'll have something, a trash can or something we could put them in as you go out. But as we go from this place, and I know this has been a little bit of a shorter service today, but I want you to go from this place, and you know, to be honest with you, there's a whole nother section of notes here that I haven't shared with you because I just felt like, you know what, we, we, we made the point. And the point is, is Jesus has done so much for us. And I don't know about, I, I don't know about everyone else, but I know this, I know about me. I know I could say this for me. My goal, my number one goal above all goals is to walk into the tr- in, in the truth and the reality of what Jesus did for me, is to walk in that, to experience that, and to live it out. Can you say amen? So what we're going to do is we're just going to take a moment and we're going to pray and we're just going to believe God. So if you would bow your heads with me. Father, we thank you, God, for your goodness. We thank you, God, that you've provided this for us, God, a way for us to truly remember, God, all that you've done. Lord, and we thank you for all that you are doing. We thank you, God, for the blessing of the communion service. We thank you, God, for the blessing of the covenant we have with you. And Father, as we go from this place, give us that desire, God, to meditate and to consider on a daily basis, God, your goodness in our lives, in this covenant, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to release you today. Our prayer team is coming, our ministry team. If they would, if you would like prayer of any kind, just come on up. They'll pray with you. God bless you. We'll see you guys. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.